Gonna prop the mic up right there. Hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. My name is Jeremiah, and I am your host today. We're doing something special, I suppose. I think this is my first solo episode that we've done, but uh, that's okay. We're sort of in the in-between times, and I kind of count this episode as a bonus episode. Uh, you may recall in our last episode, we talked about how we're going to have a slight format change, and, and we ha- we're going to do some different things going forward as a podcast. And my original plan wasn't to record anything during the month of November and just sort of take the, take the month off. But here I am recording an episode because I, I have something to talk about, I guess. So I hope that you enjoy the episode. I hope you enjoy the things that I share with you. And I hope, most importantly, that it inspires you to play more. Because after all, that is the mission of our podcast. I want to begin by talking about a recent game that I played. It was a uh, historical miniatures game called Saga. And actually, I should preface that a little bit differently. Uh, Saga is the rule set. It's the basic rule set for how you play. And what you can do is you can add on different expansions to play in different eras. And you can even buy the expansion that they call Age of Magic, which is a sort of generic fantasy setting. Saga was one of the games that I got introduced to a couple of years ago before the pandemic, and one of the things that I love about it is the way that it plays on the battlefield. You have uh, small warbands, uh, a typical Saga battle is, is six points, and that's, you know, anywhere between 30 and 40 models, and you have proprietary dice that match your uh, faction or your, um, you know, your country or whoever you're representing in, in the game, and you have a battle board. And the battle board acts as both sort of, and these dice um, work in tandem, and they act sort of as like your... Uh, the number of moves you get to move or uh, you get to take on a turn and also your special abilities. And so at the beginning of the of the round, at the beginning of the turn, you'll you'll roll your saga dice and then you assign them depending on what face value you get um, to certain abilities on your battle board. And then then you take your activations and you do the things that you're allowed to do. And then if you put any dice on these special, uh, you know, special moves. Uh, you can you can use those dice uh, to perform those special moves while you while you're going around. Conflict is, is resolved with the basic d6 dice. So, very very comfortable, very uh, very fun, and very dynamic game to play. And uh, there's a great group of players here in the Pacific Northwest, specifically in the Portland area, that that meet kind of on the regular now. Now that the pandemic seems to be going away. <laughs> I say seems, and I say it hesitantly. I don't know. I saw this morning uh, a headline that uh, 74% of Americans uh, feel like life has returned to normal. And so I don't know if you uh, count yourself as one of those 
uh, 74% of Americans, or if you count yourself, it's the 26% that still think uh, that life hasn't yet returned to normal. I don't know where I fall. Some days I'm in the 26%, and some days I'm in the 74%. Um, nonetheless, uh, there's a group of players in the area, and before the pandemic, they would get together weekly, and then and then they would have like a special game once a month or whatever. And they they haven't gotten together for the weekly game yet every week, but they started doing the monthly. There's a, one of the players has a farm and has a huge barn. And so we set up the table in the middle of the barn. There's plenty of space for people to move around. And, um, and you know, so there's, there's less worry about, you know, the social distancing and things like that. Plus it's outside. There's just a lot of benefits to playing in this barn. So anyway, uh, I got to participate in the monthly game this last weekend. And the monthly game was Saga, and it was the Battle Royale format uh, from the Book of Battles. And the Book of Battles is another expansion, and it, and, it talks, and it gives you several different ways of playing the game, certain scenarios that you can set up, and that's where we got the rules for the Battle Royale. And it ended up being a six-player game, and uh, the name, the person who organized the event called it November Nonsense, or Nonsense November, and so every person had to take a legendary warlord, at least one mercenary unit, and then right before deployment, we rolled for a random relic or artifact. And so uh, the idea was that we would create uh, war bands that we don't typically see per, uh, per se in a normal, you know, one v one saga battle, and then, and then we would see some shenanigans because the legendary warlords have abilities that the regular warlords don't have, and then, uh, then you can do a lot of fun things. So the six nations that were represented, uh, one was the the Yom Vikings. I don't remember who their legendary warlord was, uh, but I do remember that they had uh, taken like all hearth guards, which are the uh, typically heavier armored. Um, they're more armored than warriors. Uh, you take fewer of them in your unit size, and uh, and they typically will have uh, extra damage, like two-handed weapons and things like that. And so uh, they, they paid for uh, a total of 20 hearth guards and then split them up into three unit sizes of 5, 5, and 10. And it was uh, a sight to see as it marched across the board. Uh, the second nation was the Carolingians, and their uh, their makeup was really fun because this this player uh, brought Charlemagne, who uh, was on a mount, uh, but I don't know if it was old man Charlemagne or something because he wasn't a good fighter. He had uh, was more of a finesse warlord, and and was supposed to you know help his warband and stuff. And I'm not sure how well he did that. Um, because the war band consisted, he decided to take the maximum number of units of swords, of swords for hire, which is what they call the mercenary units. And I'm not sure how much of a benefit and, um, I'm unfamiliar with, with, uh, the Carolingians anyway, and the mercenaries. I've never, I've never taken a mercenary unit before this game. Uh, and, and the way that we deployed, 
Uh, he was at the exact opposite of me on the other end of the board. And I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, the And then there were two Anglo-Dane nations. Uh, I've, I was actually piloting one of them. And thankfully, both players chose the two different warlord options. And so um, I took Canute the Great. And then the other player took Harold Godwinson. And uh, then there was the regular Vikings, and I believe they uh, that player took Ragnar Lothrock as the legendary warlord, and then uh, and then there was a Normans player who took William the Conqueror, and it was an epic battle. We deployed. I think we played on a just a, a regular six foot by four foot table, and and we uh, we did like a random deployment. And so one player would take one, and then they would choose, and then another player, you know, deploy unit. And so as we were populating the field, you can start to see where people were wanting to, um, you know, make their stake, I guess. Um, the other Anglo-Dane player uh, had chosen a ruin in the center of the board and basically put all of his units inside the ruin to start the game. And then I did something really silly, and I split my force. Um, my mercenary unit was the priest, and the priest was able to take the We Obey ability. And so if I had my warlord with a couple of units, and then my priest with a couple of units, then I could get extra actions if both the priest and the warlord did the We Obey stuff. And in theory, it made sense to me in my brain, I realized later, um, strategy-wise, it probably wasn't very good on the battlefield. I deployed both groups on on um, on a hillside, and one of the hills was sort of in the corner and was inconsequential, and then the other hill uh, mattered a lot actually in terms of limiting my movement uh, to engage my enemies. But I also realized that I misdeployed because um, I believe I had my hearth guard with the priest instead of my warlord, and my warlord gains a benefit for having hearth guard near him. And so had I just switched units in each deployment area, I probably probably would have had a better experience. Um, the, the, let's see, uh, the way that we set up because there were six players and because we did it randomly like that, it sort of ended up having three people on one end of the board and three people on the other. And we sort of had two battles, two large battles taking place, um, consisting of three players each. And the biggest thing that, uh, the biggest thing that happened for me was on turn one, I had the opportunity to charge the Viking Warlord with my Warlord. And both of our Warlords were fighters. We had high aggression. And we both had our boards full of our special abilities. And so I had I had this plan. I was going to do two special abilities. And then, and then at the end of my activation, I was going to use the third, which would have um, wiped all of my fatigue away. And fatigue is just another resource for it, uh, for the game, and and sort of acts as a, a a life counter too for your for your hero models. Anyway, um, I rolled so poorly, 
And in Saga, when you melee, it's, it happens simultaneously. And so, and the other warlord rolled pretty well and actually killed me. So, <laughs> so I charged in and I died. And that was turn one. And so that's what I get for being super aggressive. And I didn't realize all of the dice that my opponent was going to be able to roll because he activated an ability that said anytime that I use an ability, he gets two extra combat dice. And so as I was using my abilities, he was just adding to his dice pool, which um, is probably, probably contributed to me dying right away. <laughs> Uh, after that, I played a little bit uh, more conservatively, and I watched as the Vikings and the young Vikings duke it out, sort of kind of in between my two forces, and, and they moved up really quickly, and I wasn't able to get in range quick enough. It wasn't until, I think, turn two, I didn't do any fighting, and it wasn't until turn three again that I was actually in an engagement range with uh, at least the Vikings, I think. So there's a big forest in the way too. So terrain really mattered in this game, and, and I really appreciate that when, when terrain matters. On the other end of the board, the um, uh, the Normans were kind of, they, they had some horses and they, they marched up the field and and just, just started cutting through the Carolingans like hot knife through butter. And then there was a, a slight turn where they were coming, they were flanking the the other Anglo Danes, and then the uh, then the Anglo Danes finally came out of their ruins, and eventually got Harold Godwinson got in on William the Conqueror, which was the epic uh, scene of the of the game, and uh, I believe uh, Harold was able to exact his revenge against William the Conqueror, and uh, all in all, it was a great game it was a great day and it made me realize why i like miniature wargaming it was fun to see all of the different painted armies it was fun to talk about like the hobby side of it while we were playing and with saga sure there are companies that make warbands specifically for saga but it's a minis agnostic game and so you know some of the people were talking about how they got you know, shield maidens, you know, from Bad Squidoo, or they got their Hearthguard from um, uh, from Footsore Miniatures, and and they got their plastic kit from from Gripping Beast, and you know, and Victrix, and and so people are are building their war bands with the models that they like the best, and as long as they are, you know, they their clothing matches, and they're holding the right weaponry. It, it all makes sense. And uh, and plus, playing miniature war games with multiplayer, I think, is becoming my favorite way to play ever. Uh, just just as I reflect on, like, the Frostgrave campaign, and, you know, four-player Frostgrave is incredible. And, um, and six-player Battle Royale Saga was so much fun. And, and I got to tell you, the time... It took a long time uh, just because there are six players. And so every person getting, we only got three rounds in because it took that long to set up and deploy. And, and then, of course, we're talking and none of us are actually moving quite fast that day. 
we were just you know really enjoying the the camaraderie and 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 for me I haven't seen these guys in in probably two years and uh, and a couple of them have seen each other since then but I personally haven't seen these guys in in two years and so uh, and and so when when we finally ended round three and kind of looked at the clock and realizing that we had families to go home to and and chores to do at the house and things like that you know we all agreed that we just call the game but even though when we finished when we called it it didn't feel unfinished it it still felt complete it still felt like i had a great day uh hanging out with with my friends and so and uh, and of course rolling dice so uh it was a really good feeling and i wanted to share that with you because in some ways uh you know as 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 we pivot with the podcast, I want to uh, share with you one of the focuses that uh, foci is foci the the plural for focus. <laughs> uh, what uh, one of the things that I want to start to cover more in the future as as we go forward uh, with the project. Um, but I'll I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, and so this was a nice segue, nice introduction to. Uh, to that. Um, but anyway, just for fun, uh, this morning as I was uh, working and as I was moving around the house and drinking my coffee and stuff, I listened to the very first episode of Spellstorm Miniatures that we recorded a little over three years ago. And I have a couple of observations that I want to make. Uh, one of them is uh, how far have we come? <laughs> It's, it's funny how when we started the, the project, we really didn't have a sense of what it means to record and what it, what it means to talk about our gaming and, and what it means to bring on guests and things like that. We didn't really have a good sense of, of what the project would entail. I mean, who knew three years ago where we, we would be today? But, uh, but I was listening more specifically because I wanted to listen to the games that I named in episode one. And so uh, it's just sort of like by way of reflection. And so when I when we were doing our introductions, we talked about games that we've come from and games that we've played and, and kind of what brings us to, to this point. And I named the Star Wars Miniatures game, which was a more like a board game, kind of. It had like a board game... Um, uh, cardboard that you fold that you unfolded and it had little squares it used the 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 rule set from the D minis game that was out during 3.5 era and, and and it used like a d20 to resolve and, and there were and there were cards that came with the pre-painted plastic miniatures uh, that was one, one of my early miniatures games although i didn't consider it a miniatures game per se i probably considered it more of a board game and then I named Heroclix. I spent a long time of my gaming life playing Heroclix. And then War Machine, Frostgrave, Warhammer, Malifaux, and Battletech. And that's what I started with when we decided to start the podcast. And primarily we talked a lot about War Machine in the beginning because War Machine was, was my favorite game. And it was the game that I had maybe the most success with and the most experience with in terms of getting out and, and playing people and, 
and we actually started by covering our experience at the at the i5 tournament uh, team tournament but and and then i think frostgrave would come next because i that was another game that i just really instantly took to um what's i want to reflect a little bit on warhammer and malifaux and battletech i'll start with battletech that's the one that i think is the easiest one to reflect on uh, i remember when dan introduced battletech to me and uh, it seemed like such a simple game and at its core the rules really haven't changed but how they are packaging the game and how they are selling the game now is uh, has changed dramatically it's a lot easier i think to get into battletech because they're redoing the mechs and these cool plastic kits um, and they're calling them i think clan kits and you, if you can find those and and then uh, there was a kickstarter that released uh, in between when we first started the podcast and now and so uh, i know a number of players are have uh, getting or are getting their uh, their you know new stuff from from BattleTech. They're releasing really cool hardback editions of their rule sets. There's like three different ways to play, and one of them is the Alpha Strike rules, which are really simple, more streamlined, and you can get a really quick game of BattleTech in using the Alpha Strike rules, and uh, and it's a lot of fun. So, BattleTech is still on the list. Um, it is one that. Uh, doesn't have a whole lot of space for me in terms of it doesn't take up a lot of space on the shelf and I don't actually have a lot of Battletech stuff in particular but um, but I know that a lot of people in the area play. Um, Malifaux, since we started, Malifaux has changed editions and that was, was a weird one because I, I had started to get into Malifaux at the end of... I guess uh, second edition, and they uh, had there was a leak that third edition was coming, and so it was very very hard to find players to play with because most people had just kind of parked parked Malifaux and just were going to wait out the uh, third edition release, and plus a lot of the area players who played Malifaux were actually in on the playtesting and so they were playing Malifaux but they were playing the third edition like playtest rules and they couldn't play with anybody who hadn't signed the NDA and so um, and so I obviously wasn't one of those players and so I couldn't uh, I couldn't you know couldn't try it out or whatever so I had these miniatures that you know that I was working on and, and they were sitting on the shelf and I was wondering if I would ever get to play and then uh, and then before the pandemic, I had started playing and uh, was really enjoying it. It's a very challenging game. There's a lot of overlap, a lot of auras, a lot of different things that uh, that interact with each other. On and so it uses a lot of tokens to, you know, uh, to indicate those things. And then and then the pandemic hit, and then my Malifaux models went back on the shelf, and. During the pandemic, I tried to play a couple of Vassal games, and and Vassal was challenging in itself to try to figure out and to learn. But uh, um, but eventually, I decided that I would have to limit the number of games I could play. 
I was started to feel during the pandemic, I started to feel the, the crunch of just having too much. It was, it was really hard because, um, because I, at one point adopted the, the personal mission of playing all the games and for some reason, the personal mission of playing all the games sort of bled into the, I have to own all the games and build all the games and paint all the games. And eventually you just run out of shelf space and eventually you run out of mind space because you can't even keep all the rules together. And so there's a big difference between getting a demo of a game and then actually committing to playing the game. And I decided that coming out of the pandemic, I wanted to be sort of in a healthier place. And uh, uh, Malifaux is one that's not going to be going forward. I'm not going to be going forward with. So uh, mostly because uh, I have discovered uh, Warhammer 40k in a new way. And uh, one of the things I discovered about Warhammer 40k uh, which also went through an edition change uh, since we started our podcast. Uh, but in the ninth edition, they have an incredible campaign system, a narrative stuff that they're releasing that they call Crusade. And in my mind, that is probably the most fun to play, where when rather than just bringing as you know, a certain number of points against your certain number of points, and we have no reason to fight other than these arbitrary objectives that are placed on the battlefield. Uh, now, we each have an agenda that we're trying to achieve, and our models, our characters can get, you know, cool names, and, you know, and we could, you know, and like, this guy did this on the battlefield, and so now he's going to earn a title, and, and just it sort of really blends the worlds for me of, of storytelling, of, of role-playing and, and, and playing with miniatures. And so I've decided that I would fully commit to Warhammer 40k and I would really lean into uh, Crusade. And in the process of that decision, I realized too that the army that I started with, I actually didn't have a lot of fun with. And so I tried so hard. I, I actually got started my army way back in 7th edition. And I would put it on the table and I would just get so confused as to what it does and how it works. And, and I saw very little success. 8th edition I would put on the table and, and same thing. I mean, even though 8th edition rules were, were much easier for me to approach, um, you know, I just, I didn't. And maybe it was because I didn't have the, the right build. I don't know. Uh, but then after I decided that I would sell that army and try looking at other things, I, I, uh, I started to have more fun. So my friend hooked me up. We, uh, he had two armies, and so we would play each other, and I would use one of his armies, and... And I had way more fun because I started to see a different way to play. It, it, for <laughs> for what it's worth, it was Space Marines. And so, uh, you know, Space Marines are going to, you know, they're the darling of, of 40K. And so, of course, they're going to they're gonna be fun to play. And then, and then I had another friend said, here, borrow this knight, borrow this knight, 
play some knights. So I played some knights. Here's how you play. Okay, here's how I play. And and honestly, I had so much fun with the big stompy robots that I kind of forgot about the Space Marine army. And then <laughs> and then I started reading the rules and the lore and and I am super in love with Eldar lore. And and so I'm having a lot of fun. And the thing that I really want to do most is put Eldar on the table using crusade rules. And so uh, that's going to be my goal is is doing a crusade uh, game with, I'm thinking Craft World, Eldar. And, and I understand that the most latest crusade release has a couple of pages of crusade rules for Craft World, Eldar. I haven't picked it up yet, and so I haven't looked at it obviously close enough. But... Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. So, so anyway, so those are the games that I named in episode one. You know, Star Wars Miniatures, Heroclix, War Machine, Frostgrave, Warhammer, Malifaux, and Battletech. But then if I were to go through the entire catalog of Spellstorm Miniatures and list every game that I have played in the last three plus years, the list would be four times as long. And I can't believe how many models I've picked up and how many things that I've, um, you know, that I've played along the way and people that I've met and, and, and all because of, you know, the mission of to play all the games and uh, which I now is uh, recognized as a, as a really uh, silly mission. So I'm excited to have a personal resolve and kind of new focus uh, for me, and I think it's going to uh, be better for my audience, and it's going to be better for the podcast in general. Uh, but uh, that's sort of just by way of reflection. And I want to reflect on one more thing, and it's related, and that is the importance of friends. Um, along the way, you know, uh, there were a lot of games that I started because a friend uh, wanted to play the game. And, you know, I remember my very first conversation with Ron in the aisle at Guardian Games when I was looking at the Kador War Machine box. And, and I specifically asked him, are you going to play with me? Because I don't want to buy this unless you will play with me. And Ron said, yes, I'll play with you. And he fully, he committed. He, he came through. He did. And, and we played. And we and con- continued to play. And... Um, but I was thinking about that, and I, and I was thinking about how bad it feels when you buy into a game because your friend wants to play the game, and then your friend decides that they no longer want to play the game, uh, because that happened to me a couple times uh, during this journey. Uh, uh, Song of Ice and Fire comes to mind that you know I picked that up because of a couple of friends and. Uh, one of them moved away, so that's you can't you can't uh, you know change that. But um, but when I found out that one of my friends just up and sold their army, um, that was kind of a feel bad moment for me because uh, because I really enjoyed the game and and I really wanted to play more of it, you know. And then uh, you know and then drop zone commander and drop fleet commander. Although that one sort of falls in sort of maybe the second second category. So sometimes you pick up a game because your friend wants to play the game and maybe already plays the game. But then sometimes you pick up a game because you 
personally want to play it. And then hopefully you'll get your friends involved too. For me, Drop Zone Commander and Drop Fleet Commander sort of fall in that category. I thought that game was super cool. And like both games. And I wanted to play in that universe. And I wanted to build and paint all those ships. And I had armies for at least two factions for uh, for both Drop Fleet and Drop Zone. And I remember one time inviting my friend over to play Drop Fleet. And, and I was like, yeah, what do you think? And how awesome is this? And, you know, and I was super jazzed. And then my friend was not as super jazzed. You know, he thought, oh, yeah, that's fun. But, you know, in the end, miniatures wasn't for that friend. But uh, but I didn't know, you know. And, and I was thinking about how when you and your friend have the same level of excitement and the same level of commitment, the games with those friends are just going to last a little bit longer. But when your friend moves away or they leave the game, your own personal involvement in that game uh, may also wane. And, 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 and who knows? And maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just because I'm I'm social, and I like to do things with my friends, but uh, uh, and, and, and maybe there are some people who are fully committed to the game itself and will play with anyone, and that's, and, and that's true. There are people like that, I guess, that exist. But, and, I, and if I fully, really loved a game, I'd play it with anyone, too. You know, um, I would like War Machine when, we were, when I was playing that heavily. I would show up at the store, and I'd play any pickup game. I do that now with with Warhammer 40k. Um, although with for with that, I want to s- focus a little bit more on on the Crusade, which means that I would be more particular about uh, setting up games in advance with someone and say, hey, "This is the scenario, and and this is my you know the my agenda, and this is why I want to play." So, but yeah. So for me, uh, just having the opportunity to reflect on on the journey that we've been on, and and it's kind of funny uh, to be able to go full circle and 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 look at how I started, and then compare to where I am now and and the journey that I've been on. It's it's been a lot of fun. So so what are we gonna do? What are we gonna focus on? So um, I would like to spend a little bit more time talking about uh, solo games, cooperative games, and campaign games. And I think the reason why I would like to do that is because uh, one of the things that I've learned in coming out of this pandemic experience is the value of doing something on your own. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people start turn to you know, Vassal or, or, or War Table or uh, Tabletop Simulator to get their games in. And that's great. And, and that worked for a lot of people. Uh, I didn't have a very fun experience with uh, playing tabletop games online in that way. And, and so what I noticed with some of the game creators as especially like Joseph McCullough, for example, the writer of Frostgrave, um, he started releasing rule sets for 
uh, for solo fantasy gaming. One of them, Rangers of the Shadow Deep, for example. Uh, you can play that solo. You can you can play it cooperatively. Um, Patrick Todorov did the same thing with his sci-fi games. You, uh, if you followed his blog, for example, you know he offered ways to play his game solo on your own on on your dining room table, and um, and then of course just recently uh, Joseph McCullough again released a new game called the Silver Bayonet. Uh, which is Napoleonic Gothic Horror, and uh, that sounds fun. That sounds uh, pretty exciting, and so, uh, but uh, but there's there's a lot of ways to enjoy the hobby, and I know that a lot of us, uh, if if we got time and it's just by ourselves, most likely we're gonna go to the hobby desk and we're gonna build something, or we're gonna paint something, but uh, but at some point I want to be able to say no 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 i'm gonna play something and i'm gonna enjoy myself doing that so in the future we're gonna uh i want to spend some time talking about some of the solo rules that are out there another thing that i want to talk about is cooperative wargaming and i might even put multiplayer wargaming in the same scenario where there's at least one other player at the table that you're working with um, for, you know, for some reason. And, uh, I love that idea. Uh, wargaming, I know traditionally is, is one side setting up and against another side. And typically it's, it's one V one. And we use words like against and foe and versus, right? But sometimes we want to use words like with and, um, ally and you know and and partner you know we want we want to be able to uh, play with people and uh, and not not against everyone all the time so uh, so I'm looking forward to exploring some of those things as well and then of course um, and a lot of these games will also have a campaign element to it so I've already previously mentioned uh, the Warhammer 40 uh, uh, 40,000 doing crusade. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about how I'm building my crusade force. And it's going to be exciting because it's my first time ever playing Eldar. I have my first game set up in a couple of weeks. Uh, actually it's for my birthday. I, I found someone in the community who will play some crusade games with me specifically. And so we're going to, we're going to play, my first uh, crusade game and of course i'll be talking about that on future episodes of the podcast and some of the decision points that i'll be making and um, and i'll keep you abreast on the results um, pretty excited about that so another thing i want to talk about uh, is i do have an interest in historicals one of the things that i realize is uh, historicals a lot of times imitate life and and like if you don't have the proper paint scheme or if you don't even have the proper blue like you know someone who knows their history would be like that blue didn't exist back then it would look more like this uh that's maybe a little too much for me a little too technical and so one of the things i like about saga is saga there's a lot of abstraction and you know i previously mentioned the battle board 
each nation or each faction has their own battle board with their own special abilities and 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 so the idea is that that's where the flavor would come from that's where some of the strategy would come from and and that makes it fun for me and so i could i could access different periods of history and and then i don't have to be so exact and i think that's the stage that i'm at right now more specifically i i'm looking forward to playing some of the campaign stuff that's in the book of battles and uh and i and some of the fun narrative things that that the the guys will be putting together so next year in uh, 2022 it sounds like age of crusade is going to be the age we're playing in so uh, this last game that i talked about earlier in the episode was age of vikings which is a different time period and so we're going to be moving on in uh, into the future uh still the past for uh, for us today but in the future from that game to the age of crusades so Another thing that we're going to be talking about in the future, too, is uh, some of the guests that we'll be having on. Um, we're pretty excited about, uh, we're going to be tapping into a new set of, of uh, content creators. I'm excited to introduce them to, uh, to my audience, to us, and excited for those conversations. And we're also going to be doing some things with our Patreon supporters. And so one of our Patreon supporters and I are going to do a, a three-part series that I'm looking forward to having that discussion. And so, uh, so look forward to that. We have a lot of good things planned in the future. So that's uh, what I wanted to cover today, I suppose. Just I wanted to reflect a little bit about the past and and where i've been personally as a gamer but i also wanted to uh paint paint the future for us as as we as we continue uh i want to get to sort of the end of the episode obviously a solo episode is going to be a little bit shorter because it's one person talking and monologuing versus several people talking and dialoguing but uh, I, I do want to hit a couple of things before we end. Uh, it's We always do the confession time, uh, talk about hobby purchases. Uh, I'm sad to say that I've, I've won a few things on eBay that I shouldn't have bid on. I'm not sad about it, but at the same time, I <laughs> didn't need them. It, that's the life of a hobbyist. Um, something that I bought intentionally was the Age of Crusade expansion book for Saga, and then I bought a Saracen army with an Islamic priest. And so the Saracen army starter box is four points. The priest is going to be one point, so that's enough for a five-point game. And hopefully I'll have some hobby time between now and January to get them built and at least primed and and start putting some paint on them. Uh, Speaking of hobby desk, I've got I've got some random Eldar things that are in various stages of build and repair and paint. And I have some knights that need finishing too. I keep saying that I'm going to do the knights and I just haven't done it. And it's silly because they're so close. Um, but uh, whatever. I, I haven't had some really good hobby time. Uh, November was actually quite a busy month for me for work. And so I have even missed out on a couple uh, paint parties. So... Hey, speaking of paint party, uh, I want to invite you to join our Discord server. That's where 
a lot of our community takes place. And so every week we have a weekly paint party on Thursday nights. Uh, we have a, um, a great time. We just log into one of the voice channels and we talk with one another. And a lot of times there'll be a topic, uh, but inevitably we veer from that topic. Um, and then, and then we have a monthly book club this month. The book that we're reading is the first heretic from the Horace Harris heresy series. And so, uh, at the last Sunday of the month, uh, Sunday afternoon, we get together and we talk about the story and, and we alternate, um, the, the members of the book club alternate and, and choose what books we're reading and that sort of thing. And, uh, we have a new thing we're going to be doing this year and that's going to be a secret Santa. And so I'm going to post the details of that on the discord server and also on our Facebook page. So I want to thank you for listening to our show. Thank you for enduring me for however long I've been talking uh, find you can find us at spellstoreminiatures.com. You can find all the links there to find our Facebook page, find our Facebook group. Uh, the link to the Discord server is there. We also have a couple of ways that you can support the project. We have affiliate links with some online retailers, uh, most notably uh, Noble Knight, and then also Death Ray Designs, and then. Uh, if you uh, if you purchase if you use those link and purchase anything through them, you know that helps us out. But the best way to help us out is to tell your friends, uh, to like us on Facebook, to leave positive reviews on iTunes if you think that we're worthy of a positive review. Those things go uh, very far, and uh, and I just want to ask you to do that. Anyway, I hope uh, you have a good time. With your hobby, I hope you are able to get games in however you enjoy your games. And I'm looking forward to hearing and seeing them online. Thanks. Thank you.